0: Hi everybody, Valerie here for the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast. Tonight I have two guests with me and we're going to talk about the complex character that is Harley Quinn. Love her, hate her, think she's a feminist icon or not, hopefully we'll get into some of that stuff. So let's take a minute and introduce our two guests.
1: My name is Max, Max Pappas. I'm a former employee at Kamikaze. I left on my own terms, I'll let you know. I'm just a superhero, super nerd. I love the DC Comics universe in particular.
2: And I'm Erin McGrath, also known as The Red Menace from The Ladies of Kamikaze. I'm a super nerd about comic books and feminism, and I also have a fondness for DC Comics
0: in particular. Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining me. Before we dive into the more complex conversation, I was hoping that maybe we could talk a little bit about the history of Harley and how she came into the DC Universe
1: yeah so harley quinn is one of those really cool characters in the sense that she had a larger audience than your usual comic book audience because she actually made her first appearance on saturday mornings during the batman the animated series the critically acclaimed 90s cartoon that's still one of the best adaptations Period. And I don't think that's a controversial statement.
0: I don't think so at all. (laughs) you're in good company
1: here. Yeah, there's nothing bad to say about that show. So already she does have the pedigree as being a really cool character because of that. And then she slowly transitioned into the mainstream DC universe. She was so popular and eventually she started getting... I think there's a couple episodes of the show that are devoted just to her, which is pretty great when you have a character with a history as deep and as storied as Batman. He's just got some of the best villains, period. And then you have this sort of ancillary character. She's sort of a Joker's sidekick or girlfriend or whatever. And they really fleshed her out big time during that whole cartoon. And she made her transition over to the DC Universe, where she was met with equal popularity. I think she had a solo series that ran for 30-something issues. When you do the math, that's like three years of solo stories for Harley Quinn, which is pretty cool. And then she sort of had a second renaissance. If you think about it, DC has a habit of reinventing their characters for a new era going back as far as... Barry Allen taking him and turning him into the new Flash. I think I was in college when Arkham Asylum came out and it was, for all intents and purposes, it's a Batman the Animated Series reunion. It's the exact same voice cast as the show, but it has this disgusting grime to it.
0: You're talking about the video game, right? yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's got this like really gross veneer and it's really dark and gritty and Harley Quinn shows up and she's... She's definitely different. She's got this sort of, if you're into it, thats sort of more sex appeal, and she's a little scarier of a character. They call her some nasty, some nasty words in there. It kind of caught me off guard when this character, she's beating up Commissioner Gordon, and she throws something at Commissioner Gordon, and he calls her a nasty word. It's very kind of jarring, and then from there, she became a much bigger character with the new 52, which is one of the more controversial publishing initiatives from DC (laughs) Comics. It was a harder reboot than Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right,
0: they was. changed her origin story. They kind of tried to change yeah.
1: everyone's origin story and compress it into five years, where they had done that in the 80s with Crisis on Infinite Earths, and everything you know about this character counted back in the 80s, but she didn't exist then. Sorry, I'm getting confusing. But she, she became the starring character in Suicide Squad, which is interesting. They sort of gave that franchise to her probably with the longer goal in mind of attaching her to the movie franchise.
0: Right. So we could argue then that today's modern Harley Quinn is the movie version?
1: I think you could, but I think that that was sort of so jarring to fans that they sort of scaled it back so now we have this everything counts mentality where when you think about Harley Quinn in her jumpsuit with the jester hat, those were her early days with the Joker as sidekick and girlfriend. And now when she's on her own and she's wearing the jean shorts and the daddy's little monster t-shirt and packing a (laughs) handgun, right? She's very much a different character, but I think the two share a similar history. The character, I agree, is really different than when she first showed up.
0: I think we should talk about that. Yeah. I think we should talk about that because there are those of us who were introduced to Harley back in the 90s. She even showed up in the first season and she truly was just there as the paramour and sidekick to the Joker. And comic relief, but as her character developed, she kind of changed a little bit.
2: She changed, but for me, what's tough about Harley, I've I like the character in her Batman the Animated Series incarnation, but even then, she wouldn't be what I would call a great role model. I think that there's this tendency, and particularly as she's shifted over the years, to treat her as this... Strong female character.
1: Erin's <laughs> doing for you can't say she's doing the air quotes. Yes, air quotes. <laughs>
2: that's very Kate Beaton strong female character.
1: Right. We'll she's she's very much has that that sort of veneer about her right now.
2: Right. So this idea that she's badass, that she's able to kick the butts of all the guys, <sighs> that she's really almost leading this gang, and that somehow that makes her empowering, but from her roots even until now she's very much defined by her relationship with the joker and even in those early days when she's fun and carefree there's a really disturbing undercurrent of her sacrificing her own selfhood Mm. yeah a
1: hundred percent and if you haven't seen it yet go out and see her origin in mad love that's definitely where harley quinn becomes this main character We see her background. She was a psychiatrist for the Joker, and she definitely got some sort of Stockholm Syndrome going on. And he manipulated their one-on-one sessions to the point where she was ready to quit her career as a successful doctor and become the Joker's number one gal.
2: What's tough for me is that even throughout the series, there are times where she realizes that maybe the Joker's not great for
1: her yeah in fact mad love it ends with her she's like i'm done with the joke joker tries to kill her or the whole premise is that harley quinn does the joker's job better than her which i guess you know if you think about it is sort of an empowering little character arc when she finally captures batman and even though i guess maybe batman uses her against the joker but that's maybe batman's M-O. We uh, don't
2: have time to talk about Batman's mental issues. Oh,
1: right, yeah. Or his relationship with women. Oh, he's, <laughs> right. he's no,
2: he's
0: no uh, paragon.
1: not
2: a great role model for dudes either. No, and that could be definitely. another whole episode. They could. But I think that the <laughs> thing is she always goes back. And in a way, that could be a really interesting story to tell. There could be a fascinating story to tell about what, is hard for women in these situations. Why do you get drawn into these manipulative men and their bullshit? (laughs) What's compelling about that? But unfortunately, I don't know that we've ever seen the why behind it.
1: Yeah, I've not read every single issue. To me, there is an appeal to the character, which I don't begrudge anyone for engaging in. She's definitely come into her own, even though she's changed a bit and i think she fits in really well with the batman mythos where all the villains can trace their proclivities and their habits to some sort of mental condition and i agree that that sort of characteristic it's it's kind of a dangerous line to walk when you have this character that can represent this really complicated issue and triggering issue of domestic captivity or cyclical relationship a cyclical bad relationship and so it's really jarring to see them play up that aspect of the character and at the same time really increase the marketing to the point where I think Suicide Squad came out before Wonder Woman so if we're looking at this mainstream appeal and push for these characters it literally goes Superman Batman and then Harley Quinn if you think about it because she was the starring character in Suicide Squad, and that was the big follow up to Batman vs. Superman, which one could argue is DC's biggest push into the mainstream. Recently.
2: Well, and I think w- what you said earlier about, you know, so in this transition, she's come into her own. So she can be this leader and this badass on her own, and the Joker's been kind of moved out of the picture to a certain degree. But for me, there's an at-what-cost. So again, I don't think she's empowering even in her early days. But there is a complexity and a weird sweetness to her even as she is out-jokering the Joker (laughs) and capturing Batman and wreaking havoc across the land. And that's being sacrificed to somebody who is just shooting people up and (laughs) beating people up and being a much more stereotypical kind of badass. It's a little boring.
1: (laughs) I can definitely agree to that, but also at the same time when they increase the character's visibility in the DC Universe, (laughs) let's get deep with it. Get nerdy. Get nerdy. (laughs) That opens up that character to the multiverse of possibilities. So Batman is this character that he exists in every form you can imagine, and Harley Quinn, now that her visibility has increased, she can hit those levels of, whoa, this character is now something totally different. The one that... Like old Harley. Right. right.
0: But the new series that's coming yeah. out.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, without getting too much into it, they're doing a series right now, which... I think it's called White Knight, and it flips the dichotomy. So the Joker's this guy trying to do right in Gotham, and Batman is this single-minded psychopath, which isn't too far from what could possibly happen. And Harley Quinn's a big character, and there's two versions of her. So now we have old Harley versus new heavy metal Harley, which is... An interesting way you can take those characters and at the same time you also have for example the bombshells Harley Quinn she's this fantasy World War Two fighter pilot who terrorizes Nazis akin to the way the Joker terrorizes Gotham it's quite interesting especially in the DC universe where there's kind of an everything goes meant anything goes mentality
0: so Harley can be whatever they want her to be
1: pretty much
0: right But what's interesting is what they choose to show us and what they choose to market.
1: And a lot of that tends to be a lot of over-sexuality, which some people could argue is empowering, but it's very base and not always the best way to show someone's character.
2: I guess my problem with the empowerment via sexuality is not that people do it. I think it's important to have that kind of space and that kind of feminism, frankly, to be able to take what you want when you want it and feel no guilt about that. The issue is I'm not sure that when people put on that Daddy's Little Monster (laughs) t-shirt that I cannot stand, um, they're not engaging with it intellectually, right? Yes. And particularly the Daddy's Little Monster gets to me because there's some really creepy pedophile yeah. undertones there.
1: I agree 100%. And then you quantify that by 10 when you realize that uh, Steve Manukin, the current Treasury Secretary, was one of the producers on Suicide Squad. So now <laughs> yeah. we got the Trump administration involved, not to get political.
2: Well, and additionally, I see actual little girls wearing those costumes. under right. young ladies wearing those costumes. And it sounds... Old-fashioned and fuddy-duddy to say that that (laughs) disturbs me, but it disturbs me because, again, I don't know that they're engaging with the text in a way that they understand the implications of everything
1: that they're putting on. Right, so it's one thing if a kid likes to put on that Jester hat with the little collar and pretend to rob Gotham Bank or something with a pop gun... It's a different thing when all of a sudden you're kidnapped by the government and forced to change in front of a bunch of... That movie was so bad. And <laughs> the sexuality was so just puerile and I really despise that movie. I think I like some of the colors in it. That's about it.
0: I don't think I made it through. Uh, it was so bad it. and
1: I like the Suicide Squad because if you've ever read the 80s series, they do sort of get into those... Heavy duty psychological issues, and to me, the connection between the Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad actually lies in these characters called Punch and Julie, who are old Charlton characters and they were recruited for the Suicide Squad in the 80s. The Suicide Squad became this sort of recycling bin for goofy villains, and they were on this team and they had an abusive relationship. But they were always yucking it up with each other about it. But it horrified everyone else around them. So Punch and Julie, for people who don't know, it's an old puppet show, right? Punch, Where Punch she, and Judy. Punch yeah. and Judy, yeah. They changed it to Julie. For DC. For the DC, she throws have these jewels or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, terrible old DC villain. I know.
1: She'll smack punch in the head with a frying pan and everyone will be like, oh my God, he's got a terrible concussion. And she sort of laughs it off. And that was when DC was really pushing for the sort of mature readers in their comics. This was, mm-hmm. you know, post Watchmen right there. So I think that's where Harley Quinn comes in. Punch and Julie aren't particularly appealing characters. You can maybe tell a more complicated story, and a reader can become detached from those characters and not want to identify. The problem I think we see now is that there's little kids who identify with the character.
2: And adults. I mean, and I, adults, did, I think that right. women want to be her a lot of times. And. That stresses me out a little bit. Yeah. Because, again, it's like taking the parts of her that you feel empowered by while disconnecting it from where it came from. Mm-hmm. And it came from this really abusive manipulative relationship and it came from mental illness. I think for some people that's why she appeals to them. They mm. struggle with those things mm-hmm. and so they're excited to have this character who to them it looks like is succeeding in this world. So here's this person with these mental problems and this screwed up relationship and somehow she's breaking through and being this big success but for the most part it's still in the realm of crime.
0: Right?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there
0: are exceptions. <laughs> right. So we've talked a lot lot. about Harley in terms of her relationship with Joker, but that's not the only relationship that she has through her journey through the television show and the comics. How do you feel about her relationships with the other people who they pair her up? Are we talking about Ivy? <laughs>
1: yeah, obviously. I think we're talking about Poison Ivy. We're talking
0: about Ivy. We're talking about Catwoman. Well, and then what's his face? Deadshot.
1: Oh yeah, Deadshot. So the Suicide Squad stuff to me is so recent. I don't know. It's just kind of transient. It's not really embedded in the history of the character. Yeah. I mean, it is now, but. We're talking about the span of a couple of years when the character debuted in what, nineteen ninety four I think. Nineteen ninety two, yeah. Ninety
0: four is when she was first in the comic books, got her first solo. Oh okay. you can probably
1: realize this by now, but they teamed her up with the movie Thelma and Louise esque with Poison Ivy and they had a couple fun episodes where they were crashing together and it was implied that maybe there was something going on. And I think over the last couple of years, they've gotten a lot more explicit with that relationship, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I'm all about queer visibility, even if it can be played for giggles, I guess. I'm not sure. For (laughs) the cheesecake factor. Yeah, for the cheese... That's the proper word for it. Cheesecake factor. But I mean, women like that stuff too, so you can't really fault them for that, I guess.
2: I think what's tough is that it's not necessarily a way more healthy relationship. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm serious, and I know I'm beating a dead horse, but Ivy might care about her a little more than the Joker does. Yeah. But she's still a really acerbic, nasty person who's <laughs> insulting her just as much as she's right. propping her up. You know, I think that you, you maybe get to... That's a,
1: true. That's true. Right? Yeah.
2: So it's still not a great relationship, I guess, is my point. But... <laughs> <laughs> The power dynamic is weird, and much like with the Joker, it ends up usually with Harley on top eventually, but through this goofy, almost by accident manipulation, it all kind of falls into place, and Poison Ivy is just much more serious, and she's fed up with her a lot of the time, and I'm not sure that's a healthy dynamic either. I
1: think we're touching upon there needs to be a really great Harley Quinn story where she moves Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> tries to she just she dates guys she goes to tgi fridays tries to find the right person whomever tries to get away from gotham city
2: well i think there's a little bit of that and I, I actually have to read it but the amanda connor and jimmy palmy yeah series, she moves to coney island not Dayton, Ohio.
1: i always like you know just on a side note i always like it when new york does pop up in dc comics sometimes and it's kind of humdrum compared to gotham and metropolis, metropolis. <laughs> so i like the idea of a character like oh i gotta beat the heat i'll move to new york <laughs> I'll go go move Coney to Island. Island. <laughs> yeah better yet
2: where it's quiet and quaint exactly <laughs> but she does engage in a relationship with a guy named mason i think it's supposed to be a little more normalized
1: she's got a couple of suitors i've read a couple issues in that there's one of them is Red Tool. Red
2: oh, right. Th- she has a bunch of guys. Who are, are they relationships or stalkers? So she's got some guys who are definitely... Right. She's
1: dating definitely a Deadpool analog. He, his name is Red Tool. And if we're going to talk about a character that had a large influence on Harley Quinn, I think it's possible to argue that Deadpool kind of had an influence on that character. Whereas he was this X-Men character that broke out into his own with his quote-unquote mature stories about not really mature stuff but that age 13 and up idea of mature and i think they've sort of replicated that with harley quinn where now she's going on all these wacky adventures back in time and She's teaming up with Power Girl and right. going off to fight. Is uh-huh. she
0: breaking the fourth wall now, too? Yeah, yeah. very
1: fourth wall breaky. Yeah, you, you so. hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah, very silly. And, I mean, I guess the character's pushing the boundaries of what they can do with that for good or bad.
2: But what I think is the most interesting is that she finally has some, whether or not they're perfect, slightly more normal relationships when she's finally written by a woman.
1: Right, Like, yeah. the other
2: thing we're not talking <laughs> about here is yes. even from her earliest days... This is a woman with a complicated history and relationships always depicted by men Mm -hmm. and their interpretations. (laughs) And so when we were prepping for this podcast, Valerie sent us some pre-reading and I was looking through. There was a very academic piece and it was talking about how the writers just presented her in this relationship. And it was about her and the Joker and that was it. And the readers have really taken it to be about her and all of her motivations, even though no one is explicitly written about those, so why doesn't she leave becomes a question. But she has no motivations outside of what the writers give her. Right? I doesn't... wanna say
1: you know, I wanna say that Barbara Kessel also worked on her first solo series. Whatever you can say about the character, she's She's got that mainstream appeal and she's got enough in her to tell a lot of different stories. So, Harley
2: Quinn contains multitudes.
1: You know, there's something to that. I, I think we just got to wait a little while longer before we get the right lady on Harley Quinn to tell that story from the perspective that maybe we want to see or who can say something meaningful about her her multitude of disastrous relationships and i
2: wonder if people will be into it that will be to me the proof in the pudding i suppose will people be excited to read a complicated story about a literal clown (laughs) or or do they want her to just be sort of a really fancy barbie doll
0: aren't clowns the most tragic
1: True. That's
2: true. They are the saddest.
1: But or when... the most homicidal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm
2: a joke. Yeah, right, right. There's an argument for both. That's Pennywise,
1: right? I'd like to see more Pennywise connection.
2: Pennywise is a really more of a, an evil alien
0: spider. True. Less of a clown. <laughs> I'd like to see more connection to Harley Quinn and the actual Quinn that she's based on. I'd We're like going to... Commedia dell'arte. Yeah, now? absolutely. <laughs> if he's going to talk about Punch Judy, that's all fair game now. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, right, so be, in a way, she is very indicative of the original
2: Harlequin. So in Commedia dell'arte, Harlequin is kind of a mischief-maker, borderline evil figure. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Screwing up... Is it Perro? Pero or oh, Per? Oh, yeah, oh, okay. something like that. It's not
0: really... Yeah, there's got to be a good...
1: Batman Elseworlds where Batman fights the Comedia dell'arte. If not, DC,
0: if you're listening, right. <laughs> please, I will be my money. Just take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's something about her, though, that does grab a lot of people. I don't know if you guys saw this little, I think it was like a New Yorker cartoon, the year Suicide Squad came out. I think it came out in the summer. It was the Halloween after. And it was this girl sitting on a couch at a party, and she's dressed like your typical Halloween witch and literally there's 20 girls of all different types around her and they're all wearing the Harley Quinn Suicide Squad outfit. And that's sort of what you see when you go to cons. You see a lot of diverse women dressed as this character. And I think no matter who you are, if you can see yourself as being sexy and willing to put yourself out like that, I think that could be considered a positive thing. I know with DC Comics that they sort of embrace some of that. She had her own little story where she had a little gang of Harleys where there were all these different, quote-unquote, maybe this is where the strong female characters, but there was a lot of different ones, and there was even a guy on there who was allowed to be a Harley And I think there's something to this character being so popular and inclusive that maybe there's some positivity that can come out of that. So
0: Max, what I'm hearing is that you want all of us to find the little piece of ourselves (laughs) that connects with Harley and celebrate it. Sure. You know, I mean,
1: (laughs) if if we're going to talk about the character being complex, I'd like to see a little more honesty in that storytelling of what really goes into that mindset because abusive relationships affect people of all sorts and hers is a very specific type of abusive relationship that affects so many people i feel like we're just waiting for that whatever happened to the girl who laughed (laughs) (laughs) some really cool harley quinn story where we really and i think mad love as an origin is a really good origin it's got a Really sad, dark ending, though, because if you haven't seen it, Batman kind of uses her to get to the Joker, and Joker falls into a smokestack, and you think he's dead. That's sort of Joker's gimmick. You always think he's dead. She's in Traction in Arkham, and she's just like, no more Mr. J. I'm done. I'm going straight. And her voice changes. She goes back to the Doctor voice, because she's got Arlene Sorkin, who's just... She is Harley Quinn. She makes that character. If I had to reckon why that character is so popular, she's got to be... A big reason. She inspired the character. Yeah, she oh.
2: the impetus for the character in yeah, the first
1: place. There you go. It
2: does have the voice. The <laughs>
1: episode ends. She's got her doctor voice again. And she says, no more Mr. J. And then she looks over and what's there? But this one, I think it's her favorite flower. I forget what it is. But it's her favorite flower. And it says, love you always, J. And she goes right back into the Harley Quinn voice. And she goes,
2: oh, you know. And it's like <laughs> so,
1: oh, this poor girl
2: so that will be my counterpoint. my counterpoint <laughs> will be that rather than all of us trying to find a little bit of the harley quinn within us i think we can all look for ways to reject the harley quinn within us and right. move on move past and maybe find some empathy for harley without wanting to become harley
0: Well, on that note, and thanks for the interesting conversation, guys. That's our time for this month. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Valerie here. And on behalf of all of the Ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including Ladies' Con. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again, and hope you join us next time.